You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 50. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Metcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Welcome back to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. It's Dr. Abby Metcalf here as your host. And today I am interviewing Robert Kandel. He wrote a book called Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them. So yes, this is for men and women today. Robert is an interpersonal communication expert, speaker, podcaster, and the author of this book, Uh, He has been really on this mission since 2002 to help people, you know, find themselves and use their internal power to live their best lives. He has helped thousands of people at this point, you know, all about leveling up your communication, leading a more balanced, energized, connected and purposeful life. So it really goes uh, hand in hand with the work I do. He used to work in corporate America, and then he was in the startup world, and he's now, you know, he's built an international eight-figure business, and he's the author of this best-selling book. He's got a really great podcast called Tough Love, and where he puts uh, compassionate, hard-hitting insight to work with helping people move forward in their lives with uh, clarity and purpose. And I love this description of him. He's been described as a part football coach, part loving dad, and part slightly crazed drill sergeant. (laughs) His style is challenging, fraternal, highly rewarding, and definitely not for the faint hearted. Uh, And today we're going to talk about his book, but really give you very specific tools and tips on how for men and women to communicate with each other, what the differences are, and what you need to know. So without further ado, here's the interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Medcalf, and I'm very excited today. Uh, I have someone awesome on the show who I've been trying to get on for a while, but he is ever so busy. And uh, as you heard in the intro, Robert Kendall, he's just incredible, and he's going to talk about his book. Uh, it's It's Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by them. And so for the women listening out there. This is to help you understand your man better. For the men under out there, this is for you to really understand why you do what you do and how to be in relationships now. So without further ado, thank you, Robert, for being here. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, it's great. Well, I'm glad we finally locked you down. Indeed. So so tell me about your book. What's different? What are you doing? What am I doing? I I solve problems. I'm, you know, I'm working on my tagline. I'm working on my title. And really what it comes down to is I can solve problems. And I can do this on the business side. And I can do this in interpersonal relationships as well. Now, this sounds a little arrogant, a little cocky. But really, it's been 20 years of helping people solve their problems. And one of the biggest problems I see today is that uh, women are evolving very quickly in the 21st century. Men are basically staying the same. And there's an impact, there's a chasm that's growing between the genders that I know how to solve. So that's the book. It's just a pragmatic guide for men and women to get along and understand each other. I love it. I love it. So uh, is this anything like, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of stuff? I, I was... I read over 100 books to prep for this book. And so there are many books that influenced me. John Gray's classic, 
impacted me when I was a starting grad school back in the 90s. Uh, David Data, uh, it was a big influence. Um, no More Mr. Nice Guy, Dr. Robert Glover, mm -hmm. You Don't Understand, uh, uh, Terry Real, um, and other communication books. So definitely a lot of books uh, were influenced me to create a pragmatic guide for the 21st century, because David Data was written in 1997 before there were cell phones. And now we have cell phones, and now we have the rise of the feminine, and things are changing. And so it's an updated version of those great books. I love it. So what's your, what do you want to say first about it? What, what do you think is the one thing people really, the first thing people really need to know? I think it's a tough time to be a man. I think that's chapter five. Uh, it's a tough time to be a man because things are changing. And because men are in the privileged position, mostly, especially white cisgendered men are in the privileged position. They don't have the right. They don't have the opportunity. They don't have permission to talk about things that are going on inside of them. So what do we do? We push it down. We disconnect. We non-confront it. And then those angst, those fears, those, uh, those things that are bothering us boil up into poor behavior, which creates more disconnection between the genders. So the first thing is having a space to men to say, hey, my life didn't end up the way I wanted it to, or I don't know how to relate to women, or I have a problem with porn, I have a problem with alcohol, I, I feel isolated, I feel alone, I can't have any friendships with men. It's just a chance for men to have permission to speak what's going on in the inside. Wow. And why is it why really is it hard for men? I mean, we know that from, you know, how they're socialized, do you put more energy there? Because it's always been hard for men. Yeah, yes. it's a different time. It's a different everything. But it seems like it's always been hard for men. What, what is that? I think it's getting harder for men because of a few major factors. And I'll speak about that. So the, if you look at the history of, of the patriarchy, the patriarchy has been around for 6,000 years. And men have been in this privileged power position on some level for some years. Now, the patriarchy has negative impact on women, also has negative impact on men. But there's just been in this step up, call it a pedestal, call it an extra edge. Uh, so women got the right to vote in 1920. So that was 100 years ago. Yeah. And then if you look at the, the next uh, 40 or 50 years, things actually headed into place where women more in containment. Uh, you could read the the feminine mystique by Betty yep. Friedan. You mm -hmm. can look at the social socialization, and then in the nineteen sixties, everything got a little etch sketched. And then in nineteen seventies, what the schooling system started to do was to improve the situation for girls. I say girls deliberately, women under eighteen. They yeah. expressed it around the areas of STEM: science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm -hmm. And they started to create programs for the advancement of girls, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And they didn't create any programs for boys. So yeah. what you've seen in the last 50 years is women are dominating the social and the, the educational system. Two-thirds of graduates you know, 50 years ago were men. Now two-thirds are women. They're dominating. They're moving into the boardroom. Not equality, but they're moving in. Men have stayed the same. And without these programs to learn about empathy, communication, team building, collaboration, Women are actually in the advantage in the technological advanced 21st century. And so you're seeing men not knowing how to handle a modern, powerful, financially secure, not needing a man for a car loan kind of experience. Wow. 
You know, it does put it in perspective. I was just saying this to my daughter the other day that in my lifetime, women uh, got had the right to get a credit card right. without a man. In right. my lifetime, women could divorce a man yep. without needing permission. Right. And I was one of the first classes of females at Columbia University. And that, you know, finding a women's bathroom wasn't easy. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of these colleges on this other side did make did allow women in, but didn't necessarily change anything around, you know, what reading lists we had were still all men, (laughs) you know, the bathrooms, that kind of thing. So it's sort of interesting. I think because of that, we've had to push very hard. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? To get over whatever that is. And I think because men never had to push hard, you know, it's how you develop resilience, right? You, you push through things that are difficult. You come out the other side and in a, in a more, cultural way, like what you're saying makes me think men didn't necessarily, you know, they've always been on top. (laughs) So not changing and not having pro, you know, things like that. uh, It kind of makes sense that you don't build that resilience. You Mm -hmm. don't build, right. So then it's like, oh, what do I do now with these women who are powerful and having all this? Do you think that has something to do with it? Oh, completely. hundred percent. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Michael Kimmel. Mm -hmm. He wrote several books. One is called Angry White Man. Yep. Another one's called Guyland. Those are two I've read. Yep. And he talks about men with what he calls aggrieved entitlement, mm. where men are just saying that woman is taking my job. That minority is taking my job because we've been in the power seat for 6,000 years. And if you look at, let's say the last 50 years, it's a drop in time of right. generation after generation handing down from grandfather to father to son, these rules of who you should be as a man. And really in the last 50 years, there's been a major overhaul. And so men don't know what to do. You look at movements like uh, incels, you know, men who are just not sexually inactive, not by choice, just because of there's whole subsector in Japan of, of virgins under 30 they're called herbivores, and wow. they have no desire to have sex. They have no desire to to attract women. They're happy with their sex dolls and their video games and their other male friends. The major impact on Japan's economy, the social, everything is shifting. And so it's really, my opinion, women are empowering, which is wonderful, and men are tending to quit, go into this aggrieved entitlement, wine and uh, disconnect and stay in what's called Michael Kimmel calls an extended adolescence. Wow. I definitely know that a lot of women listening (laughs) would agree with the extended adolescence because it's one of the, it's interesting. It's one of the complaints I get a lot from women Mm -hmm. uh, is that they feel like they're being a parent to their partner and, you know, telling him like, Every I just had a, a email the other day of a woman said I have you know I have to remind him to make his doctor's appointments and mm-hmm. his dentist appointments and to mm-hmm. cut his toenails and I, and she said and then I don't want to give him a blowjob mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm on the other side thinking I'm your mother it's mm-hmm. I, I I I don't feel sexual towards you and you're mm-hmm. upset about that now Indeed. Um, so w- what do you think about that is that gonna stay <laughs> well I I think what's gonna have to happen is men are need to have this wake up call. And on some level, I think Me Too, which is still relatively new, you know, October of 2017, you know, 18 months ago, 
was a wake-up call. You know, you see uh, more impact in looking at the media. I mean, I don't know if you're a big Game of Thrones fan, but there's so much communication around how Game of Thrones have failed women. So much like the nitpicking of things around specific language. Uh, you look at it in sports. You look at it across the board. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know about this recently, like uh, Georgia passed uh, an abortion law. And now these movie theaters, or I'm sorry, movie studios are saying, we're not going to uh, work in your state while you have this abortion law. Wow. So, and I think it was like um, several, like two or three billion a year, 92,000 jobs are impacted because the studios are saying we want to support the rights of women we're not going to go to a state that offered, I think, a 30% uh, tax cut. Please uh, don't nitpick me on these numbers. They're from memory. <laughs> the point is, is like, that's relatively new. And so we're seeing across the board these little wake-up calls for men to say these, the scripts that your grandfathers and fathers handed to you no longer work in the 21st century. It's time to confront. It's time to wake up. It's time to stop watching Netflix. It's time to listen. And if you're willing to do that, it is the best time to be a man because we're hanging out with women who are financially stable, emotionally empowered, sexually active. It's like the best time to be a man. So I'm like, ah, like, ah, get off the couch. And so that's my mission is to be like, come on, guys, come on, stop we being a man it. child. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, I got a little, a little excited. No, no, I love it. I, I agree. I think there's like incredible women right now. I, I'm there. And so what, so what can you say to them? First, what can you say to the men? And then I'm going to ask you, what can you say to the women? Like, okay. so what can they do? What, what, where should be the focus? The first thing with men I always recommend, and I have a process in the book, uh, but the first thing is just to confront. You know, we're very good at non-confronting. Non-confronting means basically turning your attention away from what is. And so if you're in a relationship, that's not uh, the way you want it. If you're not in the job you want, you're not in the physical state. If your life is not the pristine thing you want, there's an opportunity, but first you have to turn your attention away from the addictions of porn and Facebook and, and alcohol and sports. Turn your attention from the very, you know, tractor pull of that and take a look at it and then see like, huh, I'm not having the sex I want. I don't feel connected to my partner. I'm, this job is not fulfilling me. I'm following someone else's dream, not my own. I'm listening to other voices. I don't like myself turn your attention and just confront it and confront it from a spot that what you're confronting is right and it's good and it could get better. Wow. First, you have to see it. You can't do anything until you turn your attention and see it. Can you give an example of that, like how they would confront it? Let's use porn. I think it's a really great. It is a good one. Good one. And uh, The Butterfly Effect by John Ronsom is in a magical audiobook that talks about the impact of free porn that was created by one guy named Fabian in 2008 that wow. has significantly impacted the world. So if you want a good four-hour read, highly, highly, highly recommend. It's an amazing, amazing, well-done, entertaining um, audiobook. He's, he's very non-judgmental, and he's very, it's really amazing. Anyway, so look at porn. So porn was hard to get until around 2008. And then he figured out the model to make it free. And all of a sudden it's ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. 
The impact on that is that we're seeing the significant impact of porn affecting young men, men of all ages. And it's, it's, it's one of the points in the butterfly effect is that teenage pregnancy has decreased significantly, but so has male impotence, uh, impotence from men 15 to 25. Yeah. Yeah. They did a study wow. and saw like they, it's like men are less interested in, in women because we have this dream of porn. Right. So if you're a casual porn user to a uh, addictive porn user, and there's a large spectrum, just turn from a non-judgmental place and saying, how does this impacting you? How is this affecting your, your view of women? How is this impacting your sex life with your partner? Mm. I stopped using porn after listening to John Ronson's audio tape because I saw the impact it was having on my, my sex life with my partner. And mm. since I've quit, my sensation of my sex life has gone up. The frequency has gone up. My gratification has gone up and my attention. So wow. I'm not a bad person. I'm not even against porn. I'm just right. against the non-confrontation of the impact of porn. Look at books uh, like Your Brain on Porn. There's several great TED Talks, 20 minutes that can talk about the physiological impact of porn. I mean, it's just, we live in an information-rich society. Go out there and take a look and just see if any of these things are happening to you and then make your decision. That's probably the best example. I love it. So really, a lot of the confronting is about self-awareness and asking mm -hmm. yourself questions. Right. And instead of just doing and you know floating where it goes, to stop and really question why you're doing what you're doing and what impact it has. Right. Well, that's a man thing to do. Like a, a man thing to do is to be like, there's a problem, must kill problem, and move on. <laughs> you know, like... I see it all the time when I'm coaching men and women, you know, women will say, this is happening for me. And the man's like, what do you want me to do about it? Yep. Well, no, 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 no. You know, women says, uh, this is happening for me. I educate men to first validate their feelings, mm -hmm. see and sit in their shoes. And I learned this from my wife. So I'm new to this as well, <laughs> but really validate their feelings, feel, talk about it, talk about the impact, investigate it and then come up with a plan of action, which yeah. will be beautiful. But don't skip the confronting, the feeling, the impact, the shame, the hatred, the, the annoyance, like really confront and mm -hmm. then come up with a course of action. I love it. I love it. And it's really, and because I, I think that confront, I know when you said the confront word, I get so like anxious because mm -hmm. I think of, you know, fighting and right. getting into it. And really what I'm hearing is, you know, to really, go, you know, with front, right? Like the Spanish, <laughs> you know, where it's from, right? Mm -hmm. Con with, right? To really be with your front, with your, so people can see what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and yeah. really look at something head on and not have to think about it being um, full of anxiety or right. uh, fighting or any of that kind of stuff. I think it does just the opposite. Right. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. So, yeah. So in that, I remember, I'm remembering in a like care front, you know how people say, <laughs> but I like confront much no, better, but I like the pure aspect of it. I, I do mean, too. I used to run a communication course and we actually stole this from Scientology, but mm -hmm. confronting what you would do in the old school version is you would sit across from another person, stare in their eyes, not blinking, no facial gestures, and just be with that person for 30 minutes. <gasps> It was wow. A, yeah, it was intense in the old school. 
anyway, so the the thing was we would just confront. And then when you you're with that person, no dialogue, no talking, no posturing, all these emotions arise and all these feelings and all these thoughts. And it's just you're just confronting what is. Yeah. When we say confront in an anger point of view, it is a form of confronting, but it's not the only type of confronting. Right. Oh, I love that. That's a great definition. And I hope people are really listening to that part because uh, it's interesting. It might be a feminine thing too, that I don't like the word. And, yeah. you know, and, and so it kind of sits funny, but okay. So for men, I love this, such a great thing to do. And uh, and are, what other areas, like, so I guess like they're drinking, they're, or pot use or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. right? Or workaholism or exercising or whatever to really look at each thing and decide, make decisions about it, really right. think about it. Okay. And some really that. subtle things too, like I had to confront my father wound. Mm. I had to confront who my father was, his narcissism, his control you know, his disbelief in who I was, his displeasure at my life choices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was younger, I would just kind of block it and be like, ah, he's just my dad and I'm just going to do it anyway. And kind of the teenage to middle-aged, you know, angst around it. And then in my 40s, I'm like, okay, let me confront the impact of my father calling me a biological failure. Let me confront his uh, anger that I didn't produce male progeny to to uh, carry on his name, his lineage. Let me confront the impact of him and the untying of that relieves so much pain and so much tension that I've been carrying. So it, it's, just, it. it's across the board. Okay. And I want to remind people that, so that could be in person, like you might've done that with your dad or not, that no, you can no. do that just in therapy and right. or just on your own. Start with therapy. I think, and I was just going to say, I think people should start actually doing that kind of stuff, not with the person, especially Mm -hmm. when there's trauma or hurt or old wounds, but to instead speak to, speak to a professional, do Mm -hmm. some work first to see what the real thing is anyway, because otherwise you're talking to the person in a way that's not authentic actually, because you're upset about something on top when it's really something else Mm -hmm. and therapy and really talking to someone will help you get there. So, um, great. Love that. And what other, uh, ways would you say men need to shift right now? I think, well, confronting first, I think is to create games, programs, practices for the areas of life they want to up-level. So places like their physical health. Is there a place where you want to you know, eat less gluten and dairy? What's the impact? To Are you overweight? Are you not drinking enough water? Really confront these things. To areas around your communication with your loved ones, with your intimate friends. You know, do you sense that there's room for them to have more voice? Or is there any way you're creating uh, the, the space for them to withhold? You know, women are actually trained in society to withhold out of, you know, handling man's fragile ego. Mm-hmm. Is there ways that you can open up the dialogue so more of her can come out and be more truthful? What, what are your things that you hide? What are your secrets? And what's the impact of you holding on to those secrets? Like what, you know, what are you holding from your intimate friends and your partners? And, and is that causing you, is that the cancer in your, your life? How do you start to catalog these things? 
because we're actually trained to hide these things. We're trained to, to not show because I think we have a fear of abandonment. We have a fear of, you know, my ultimate fear, I believe, is that we'll die alone under a bridge, right? You know, yes. like, we'll just, like, we'll just, we'll be alone. So where are the things you're hiding? What's the impact in terms of your happiness, your evolution, and your connection to others? Oh, I love it. I love it. And is there a final one? Did you have another? I have many. Thing to give them? Uh, I bet you do. Give me one more before uh, we go to women. Yeah. I think really is to um, connect to other men. Ooh. Uh, you know, back, you know, 40, 50 years ago, men's friendships were were more prized. They were more connected. We live in the most isolated time in our society. There are more single people living alone. Uh, there are studies that older men in their 50s and 60s have more fear of isolation than they do of cancer. <laughs> they are wow. more afraid of, you know, there really are whole subsectors of men as they get older who are just by themselves. And I think our society is shifting. There was sort of a shunning of male to male friendship uh, in the late 60s and 70s. And I think uh, men have been taught to be more feminized. So for men to look to other men, for support, for friendship, wow. community. And in that, I think there's, there's so much power to have your, your, your brothers who will back you, who you can gain uh, uh, reflection from, who can love you who you are, rather than depending on women, which is sort of the meme in society today, mm-hmm. is that I look to women for my emotional support rather than to another man. Well, and that's interesting because I think what happens sometimes, what I've witnessed happening sometimes with men is that they, when they do have these friendships, they're built around drinking or, uh, you know, something that's not really connecting mm-hmm. that that's, or they play video games together or whatever that might be. And so it's interesting. I like the thought of them getting together or even, you know, go play around a golf, but you're talking the whole time, right? Yeah. You're you're out there, you're talking, you're doing whatever, um, but, or even sitting around and sharing a bottle of wine and not thinking you have to get drunk or like, you know, but really sit and talk. Yes. Right? And, and leave your cell phones in the car, <laughs> you know, like, yes, especially our youth are, are more connected to our, our screens than we are other people. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a really strong call to connect without the screens. Yes. And you know, this, uh, I talk about it a lot. There's a bunch of research about just how having your cell phone out, mm-hmm. just having it out, even if it's face down, uh, interrupts conversation and stops people from feeling connected. Mm-hmm. So it's so true. Really leave them out back in the car somewhere else. And you certainly don't have to be scrolling through Facebook while, or something else while you're sitting with people bonding and talking. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. Oh, I love that. Um, so before we move on to women, is there any last, what women can be good. doing? Okay, oh, I love those. Yeah. yeah Perfect. Good. And so let's talk about the women out there. Here we are. We're loving these men. Confused and <laughs> what, loving. We're confused and loving. That's right. Yes. What, um, what, what can and should, whatever the words are, we be doing or thinking or? Well, the first and foremost is a little chargy. Um, especially the days of me too, but just the acknowledgement of how we've created this mess together. So men and women have both created the patriarchy. There was an advantageous aspect of the patriarchy for women. It's still happening. Definitely. 
And I'm not here to say shame or to, to denigrate. I'm just saying, just again, confront yes. how you co-created this relationship together. If you're in a relationship with a man who's not optimized to your standards, look at the way you've withheld. Look at the way you haven't told the truth. Look at the way you've minimized yourself, how you know, you've used sex to placate, uh, where you won't voice what you truly want. Just look at your habits not from a way to explode or change instantly, but as a way to leverage the next evolution of your relationship by saying, I no longer want to minimize my voice to keep the status quo in this relationship. I want to create communication patterns where I can tell you the full truth so you actually know who you're dating or married to rather than this cute facade Mm -hmm. that I've been co-creating with you. That's great. And, you know, as women, we, it's part of our socialization often. I was raised to, you know, to be perfect. Um, <laughs> I share a lot, you know, everyone's listening knows I'm recovering drug addict. And when I share at 12 step meetings, I often share the same way. I was a perfect girl born into a perfect home, you know, and obviously all that was far from that. But so much of my, how I got anything was by being a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think women take that perfectionism into their relationships and it shows up as control. Mm-hmm. You know, it shows up as just usually control, just not wanting to let it go, mm-hmm. you know? So what would happen if you didn't make your husband's dentist appointment? Mm-hmm. What would that be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or what would happen if you did it just because you love him and it feels good to do something that's hard for him? Or, you know, what uh, any of those questions other than just being in the resentment of nagging him. Exactly. Uh, so how could that be different? Yeah, that's great. Love it. Give me the next one. Second one I would say is figure out what your bottom lines. this is connected, but figure out what your bottom lines are in your relationship, communicate them, and then give your man a chance to rise to them. <sighs> yeah. I have to tell you, I, what I say a lot to women is that it's really important that you're asking your man to get up and bat, but you're, you're hugging home plate. You're, he's got, yeah. you know, you, you got to step back into the batter circle completely, you know, and let him really try to swing. And uh, women are really afraid of that. Mm-hmm. And why do you think we're so afraid? I mean, I think I know why we're so afraid or some of the reasons, but what is that? Again, it's like giving up control. Like women, don't allowing- like re- women don't like rejection. Men don't like rejection, but we're a lot more comfortable with it than women are, like mm-hmm. a hundredfold, because we've <laughs> sure. been in the position where yeah. we've had to learn the yeah. hard way. We don't yeah. like it, but we're like, all right, we just got rejected for 7,847th time. All right, I'm yeah. still alive. I'll try again. Yeah. Women don't like it. They don't like rejection. And so if a woman says to a man, I, my bottom line is that you pick up your pants fold them and put them in your your drawer. That's you no know, you can take off your pants at night, but before you leave in the morning, this is a bottom line for me. If a man doesn't do it or forget, there's some part of the woman that says to herself, he's rejecting me. He doesn't love me. I'm not worthy. And because women, feminine really, uh, get value from their attractiveness, they're a power to attract. They're a power to magnetize. The masculine gets value from the ability to produce a huge difference. Mm-hmm. If a man doesn't lift up his pants and put in, then there's some personalization of it. This means something about me. 
So they're afraid to ask because the rejection hurts. Right. Because it might not happen. If I don't ask, right. I don't risk. Yes. Yeah. That's, I think it's really, really true. And I think this, and it's connected, the rejection and the fear of abandonment. Some mm -hmm. of it's in our DNA, you know. Yes, for sure. We got abandoned 200,000 years ago. We were dead. Right. So it's true. Being able to attract and stay attractive and be of use. Um, and that's some of that perfectionism women have now, but is really from 200,000 years ago when yes, we absolutely. were living in clans. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah. Okay. So for us, it's really um, checking in with our own confidence, self-esteem, making sure that we're not hinging that on the response we get from our man. Right. And to hold to it and set some, set some time limit in your mind. So two months for him to figure out the pants. After two months, I might be out of here. Now, <laughs> I, I'm using kind of a funny thing, but right. you, can, you can leverage this into uh, fidelity, how you're mm -hmm. treated. Like my mom, when she was in her uh, mid-60s, finally told my dad how she wanted to be talked to. And they had a horrendous summer because she held the line. And he, they'd known each other since they were like 10, right? There was 50 years of history wow. at that point. And she's like, no, you're not going to talk to me like that. And it was really hard for him. But then he finally learned. <laughs> and they have a better relationship because my mom finally said to him, I'm not going to swallow this anymore. My new bottom line is you don't do X, Y, and Z around your communication. And wow. great epic thing for their relationship because it took it to the next level. Most people, most women don't feel that they deserve that, right? Mm -hmm. But in order to have optimized relationship, in order to set a bar, in order to train a man to be who you want him to be, you have to tell him who you want him to be to give him the chance to yep. up level to meet those bottom lines. I love it. I have a, people are listening now. I, I say a lot, you have to have high standards and low expectations, but yeah. most people have uh, low standards and high expectations. Right. And it, you got to get those standards up and then understand no one can meet them 100% of the time because that right. would be a robot. However, so you have lower expectations around them getting met all the time, but paying attention to make sure, you know, your job is when your standards not met is to remind the other person to meet them. You know, right. that this is what we said and here it is and that's the line. But to have these crappy standards and allow yourself to be treated poorly mm -hmm. and then be upset that you are being treated poorly <laughs> is the cra is that's the craziness. So right. I'm always after people to change. Yeah. Most women are screaming in their head, ah, you know, take up your damn pants, take up your damn pants or in bed, slow down, slow down. <laughs> so they're screaming in their head like they scream really loud enough yep. the guy will hear. The guy, most guys can't hear that. Mm -mm. There's some guys who can, but most guys can't hear that. You have to use this thing called your voice. Mm -hmm. Honey, when, oh, would you just slow down? Left, left, slow. <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's, and men actually, once men they get their ego, we're like, yes, finally. Yes. He's asking for what she wants. I've been asking for 10 years and I don't know what to do. And, you know, anyway, so it, it is possible to communicate that. Build the communication containers, the processes, so the truth can be told and rewarded. My mm -hmm. wife says things often that I, not often, but sometimes that I don't like hearing. And my first response is, okay, thank you for telling me. I imagine that was difficult to say. I can feel, you know, the agitation of saying it. I'm so grateful 
you're saying that. Now the impact of that is A, B, and C. Uh, this is my fear, or this is where it hurts. And so in that, it's, uh, again, the truth is spoken and rewarded. I love it. Um, I talk a lot about not reading minds. Um, yes. And I hear that, you know, he should know, or, you know, we've been married so long, he should know what I want for my birthday, or any of that kind of crap. And it makes me nuts. I, right. I, send, a, I send a link to my man with exactly what I want. Get this in blue, in a small, like here it is. <laughs> <laughs> very clear and and that should be everywhere mm-hmm. not just for you know for gifts or presents or anything else but everywhere to be really clear about what we want so i love that i think that's mm-hmm. such a and and that would be true at work with our kids mm-hmm. everywhere so that's finding our voices in that way is very empowering mm-hmm. uh and what's another one you have for women i'm loving these um understand his scarcity ooh say more so especially around sex and again, I'm kind of speaking the the standard bell curve stereotype, just so you know that. But Trust me, that's my folks. Great. I hear this all the time. Great. So um, men have scarcity around many things, especially around sex. We actually live in a society of scarcity, a society of disapproval. And so men are actually in scarcity around the thing they cru- they crave the most, which is approval. Because women um, are also in scarcity, men get their value from production. So in terms of masculine versus feminine communication, the feminine communicates for intimacy, for relating, for connection. A man communicates what's called report speak in production. A man will say, I'm going to move the box from point A to point B. The true feminine says, how do you feel moving the box from point A to point B? The true masculine is like, I don't care how I feel. I just want to move the box from point A to point B. And the true feminine says, like, well, I don't really care about you moving the box. I just want to be related to you. Anyway, so this disconnection occurs. And women, especially feminine women, are, are quite scarce with their, their words of praise, touch, their love languages, right, on how to feel approval. So men feel like they're constantly fighting wars, you know, challenging dragons, lifting big things. And they're not getting what they really want. It's just a woman to say, thank you, appreciation. I mean, this is Alison Armstrong 101. Yep. If you yep. want a great yeah. teacher, someone to truly respect Alison Armstrong, is just just give those words. And the, the women are so steeped a lot in their, their, dis, their anger, but just giving that man an approval will just... Uh, and lighten him up. Like my wife says to me, like, oh my God, thank you so much that I finally have a car that I'm not scared to drive. Because with her ex husband, they were scarce around money. And she, she drove this junker around. At the end, she was afraid with the kids on the freeway, the car was going to shut down. And so we did. We got her a new car. And we were in the position to do that. We were lucky. But she's so grateful, like two or three times a week or once a week she'll be like oh, i get into my car and i feel so grateful and it just fills me up with this loving sense and i just want to get her a second car and a better <laughs> i mean but i just I get inspired i'm just like my queen is happy oh. yes what else can i can produce and so for women just to take a time authentically speak any words of praise or approval is like uh water to a thirsty man oh that's beautiful and this is true so much, uh, you know, when I talk about taking things that we see as neutral and turning them into positives, right? Like the car, you know, 
getting in the car. Great. Got a car. But to be in that appreciation over and over, I love that your wife gets, does that, comes back to it, right? Each time, you know, or whenever, every few times she gets in there. And I think that that happens with, you know, let's say your man is the primary breadwinner and is working and bringing home money. You know, I don't think we often thank for that because right. it's just is, you know, you're doing it and I'm working hard too. Cause that's what happens. People start right. c- competing and keeping score. Well, I'm here with the kids. Well, I'm working hard. I, no one's thanking me. It's like, well, why don't you start thinking? <laughs> we'll go from there. Uh, you don't, you don't have to wait for someone else, but to bring those things out when they happen more often, mm-hmm. um, because there's so much, I think that happens kind of under the radar or just is always sort of going on. So it's, it's becomes the wallpaper, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, but yeah, we're eating this meal because you, we brought home money and I could go shop and thank you, whatever that might be. And that's obviously a little stereotypical and it goes the other way. But uh, I think those are really important. Um, and so for anyone listening, I know some of the women are like, well, I want to hear it too. I get it. So, but, and start with you, right. start with you and see what happens. And in my experience, when I do that, it's true. Then my man is more kind of aware to thank mm-hmm. me for things. Yes. I think it just, it just sort of happens. It's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I learn, you know, in, in terms of man paying attention to woman, I, I ask questions like, honey, when I go away, what would you like in terms of communication? Do you want to text when I land, you know, once at night, do you want to talk every night? You know, what is your thing? And sometimes she's like, wow, you're just asking is unusual. So it's really, it again, it's, it's, it's getting down to these, these bottom lines of things that we don't feel right to ask for. Mm. And so really just, you know, be willing to say that. Um, it's, it's just, it's so fascinating that we're so afraid to say what we want, what our desires are out of fear of rejection, then it doesn't happen. Then we get mad at the other person for not giving what we want. We didn't communicate it. So it really is being that first step of vulnerability. And this is for everyone. Uh, you know, for men too, just like these little things that uh, will up-level your life. Most people are thrilled to give them to your partner. Like, oh my God, I can totally do that. Oh, wow. And so it's, again, it's just the little things that can completely uh, improve your relationships. Oh, I love that. And actually, it's such a beautiful point to end on. (laughs) It's absolutely perfect. I love it. And so I know you have something special for everybody. What, What do you got? What, what are you going to give to my listeners? I, I I wrote this book. You know, you write something, you're really proud of it. I'm sure you're proud of your book as well, which yep. I read. Um, and so it's just like I, I like Unhidden because it's everything I've been saying for 20 years. And then I wrote it in a pragmatic fashion for people. And I wrote stories. It's hopefully it's entertaining. And then I, I recorded the audio, which was really fun for me because I like telling stories. Mm-hmm. And so the free gift, if you sign up, uh, robertcandell.com is uh, three chapters of the audiobook, three of my favorite chapters, oh, free awesome. for download as a little teaser for the rest <laughs> of the book. And so you go oh, to my website, great. just scroll, and it's very easy to download. Beautiful. And I'll have that in the show notes, everybody, um, as well as a link to Robert's book and just how to find him. I highly recommend. I actually thought your book read somewhat like mine. Like I like the oh, yeah. real life examples. Yeah. And, were, yeah, I, and so folks out there who read mine and liked it, you'll love this book. Thank you so much, Robert. My pleasure. Thanks for your patience with me. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com.